Have you ever dreamed of one day owning your own business, but just don't know where to begin? Then you've tuned into the right show. On All Things Franchising, you will hear from top national franchisers, successful franchisees, attorneys, CPAs, and others who support this fast-growing business model. So grab a cup of coffee and pen and notepad, because you will want to capture the invaluable information you hear on today's show. And now, here is your host, Linda Ballesteros. Hey folks, welcome to All Things Franchising. This is Linda Ballesteros and I'm your host today. Thanks so much for finding some time out of your busy day to spend with us. I'm always honored. So today we're going to be talking about planning as a small business owner, uh, entrepreneur, a franchisee, a franchisor, planning, planning for that that exit. Um, but the, the exit plan doesn't happen six months before you decide you want to take that trip down and stay down in the Caribbean. It happens way before that. I recently read an article, and the title of the article was, How Do the Kids Feel About Inheriting the Business? You know, sometimes what I see happening with small business owners is they assume that the kids who grew up in this business are going to want to be the next generation owners. It's not always the case. And in fact, most of the time, it's not the case. This article said 89% of family members, that's the kids or anyone else in the family, they're really not interested in taking over the business and they'd rather just have the cash. 21% are not even qualified. So even though they may have grown up in the business, that doesn't mean they're qualified. That doesn't mean they're interested. In fact, that may be the very reason they don't want the business. So today we have with us Mike Brown. As a former franchise owner, Mike has the knowledge and experience to help others navigate the best ways to protect, grow, and exit their business. He's seen how most people have a financial junk drawer, and I love that phrase because it's so descriptive, which has been created by purchasing financial products as a result of life events, and I know you can relate to that. Please help me welcoming Mike to the show. Hey, Mike, welcome to the show today. Hi, Linda. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, Mike, I love that term, financial junk drawer, because doesn't that just describe it? You know, you meet somebody at networking and they say, oh, this is the best uh, life insurance policy. This is the best investment tool. And before you know it, you've got a whole junk drawer full of these products and none of them relate to each other. So before we get on that topic, Mike, tell me a little bit about your background. And I know that I mentioned that you're a, you were, you're a former franchise owner. And tell me how you um, decided that you wanted to really help those franchise owners. Yeah, so so I've been in the financial advisory space for about twenty years, but I always had this this feeling like I, I really wanted to own a franchise, and I spent I spent a lot of time researching them, uh, talking to a franchise consultant, 
And it, it just was something inside of me. I, I, I just had this drive that I wanted to get into franchising. I saw a lot of other people succeed um, with franchises and, and create that American dream of, of being a business owner. Um, so I, I eventually uh, decided to, to purchase a franchise and absolutely loved the experience. I was so happy that I, that I, that I decided to do it. But what I realized was that a lot of people get into business ownership um, sometimes at the wrong time uh, and mainly because they, they don't have their finances organized. Uh, going back to that, that junk drawer that you mentioned, I use that term a lot. And if you think about the junk drawer you have at home, you find a battery underneath a cushion or, or uh, <laughs> a kid's Lego and everything goes into this junk drawer. <laughs> right? so, uh, I, I use that same term with finances because you're right. It's the people create this financial junk drawer because they're buying products when they're reacting to life events. They get married, they have kids, uh, their kids get married, they you know buy a business and then they start buying even more products. So, I, I know a lot of financial, a lot of great financial advisors across the country, and a lot of them do have a focus. And they, they might say, well, I, I specialize in working with doctors or dentists or engineers. And a lot of them say, I, I work with small business owners. And no one has ever said, I work with franchise owners. Mm-hmm. And I saw a huge need for that because as a franchise owner, you are a business owner. You are a small business owner, but it's a different, it's a different type of business. And you really need to understand that if, if you're going to, if you're going to engage with a franchise owner as an advisor, you really need to understand the relationship between the franchisee and the franchisor um, because they are partners uh, you have to understand the vendors, and you have to understand the different ways to exit that type of a business. So I decided that having that experience, that was an area that I definitely wanted to focus in. Mm-hmm. You know, and Mike, that makes so much sense because as a consultant myself, I tell my clients, be sure that you're working with uh, an attorney that is familiar with uh, the franchise business model. When you're looking for a CPA, make sure that you have a CPA that understands that franchise business model. So it only makes sense to have a financial advisor that understands that um, the franchise business model is different because an exit strategy for a small business owner, it's different than that for a franchise owner because you got a third party in there, don't you? Yeah, that's right. It's the, it's the franchisor. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if, if, and sometimes it could be more. I mean, you could have the franchisor, but you could also have, another partner mm-hmm. <laughs> the mm-hmm. franchise. so it mm-hmm. can be it can be complicated um and mm-hmm. it's something that you know uh, it shouldn't like you said wait to the last minute to have that discussion and start that planning mm-hmm. absolutely so when you say you know don't wait to have that discussion when should you start thinking about preparing for an exit and when do you start putting things in place yeah, so uh, quite honestly, I, I, I think it's while you're doing the uh, the vetting process, while you're going through due diligence with the franchisor. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that those are questions that you should ask um, mm-hmm. on a discovery day or, or during some of your calls is what are the exit strategies? You know, how, how do you exit this particular franchise at some point? That's where it starts. Uh, asking those questions, thinking about it. I would I never advise someone to, to not to get into business ownership and not understand what the exit strategy might be. Um, once you've, once you've had those discussions with, the other franchisees, the franchisor, then it's time to start engaging with your financial advisor about the different doors that you can go through because there's really three doors. There's, you could sell it to someone on the inside, you could sell it to someone on the outside, or you keep it to the day you die. Those mm-hmm. are the three doors you can go through. And I, and I think the strategy is to, to plan to choose one door, but plan for all three because things mm-hmm. can change. Mhm mhm certainly you know the unexpected certainly does happen and um we saw some of that with covid um the those, that was a very um uh unexpected crisis that happened and many times that impacted the health of the business owner and if they didn't have a plan in place then um, many times those those businesses just closed their doors, didn't they? That's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the pandemic was something we couldn't plan for <laughs> or well mm-hmm. enough. That, mm-hmm. that threw a lot of people for a, a curveball. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, I know a lot of people that, that had thriving businesses at one point, and all of a sudden they, they had to close them down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's bad. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So when you're talking about those three doors, do you plan for each of one, each of those differently? Yeah, you do, um, because the result of each door, you know, could be different. Um, you, like I said, you, you pick one. I think you pick one that I think would be the ideal situation. Uh, you know, and maybe that's selling to the outside because you think you can get more money by selling to someone on the outside that's not an employee, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, but you plan, but you, you plan for the other ones because economies can change, markets can change, yeah. uh, the demand for your franchise can change, and you know, at one point you could have sold it for quite a bit of money to someone on the outside, but things can change quickly, and the only option is to sell it to someone on the inside. And the strategy to sell it to someone on the inside is very different than selling it on the outside. Mm. Um, how the business might be financed, how the purchase might be financed, for instance. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And you, preparing for that, um, you're still going to have, you know, that the the drawer of of products that you mentioned, but it's not going to be that junk drawer. It's going to be a little more organized. So when you're working with a franchisee, a franchise owner, um, what are some of the things that you kind of focus on? Is it insurance or key man insurance? What are some of those things that you tell your small business owners? These are some essentials. These are some of the basic essentials. Yeah, I think it, it all depends on on the uh, the stage that the business is in, the mm-hmm. the type of business it, it is, the the types of employees you might have. Uh, that might determine the different strategies that we that we might choose. If if we're talking about uh, 
you know, so let's going back to the exit planning. If you are, you know, planning your exit and and wondering where the valuation of your your business is, the valuation many times is determined by your employees. Uh, you know, your mm-hmm. your people are the most important asset, and when you have key employees, uh, that is a that is a huge factor when when having that discussion about selling your business. And if you haven't implemented the proper strategies to uh, to retain those key employees throughout an exit, then that can drastically change your value. So it just depends on on the stage of the business, the type of planning that we're doing at the time, the need uh, for the business and the business owner. Uh, and we really just we don't know until you number one get everything organized, dump that drunk drawer out and find out where our starting point is and what the end goal might be. And then mm-hmm. we can put a strategy and a financial plan together to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my, uh, my late husband was a, a fractional or interim uh, CFO uh, for some small businesses. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he saw happen frequently and even though he would bring it to the owner's attention, sometimes they saw the business wallet as an extension of their own. And they didn't prepare for the exit. So when they got ready to sell, they didn't have much of anything other than a shell of a business to sell. Mm-hmm. So when when um, a business owner it comes to you and you're looking at maybe an exit strategy, are there times that you say, you know, you might want to set up a 401k for your employees, you might want to buy some more equipment because you'll have more to sell down the way. Um, how do you advise them when they dip into the, the, the pot, so to speak, a little too frequently? Yeah, great, great question. And, and the, the, what I see a lot with, with business owners when, when I start working with them is that, that they do, they're so passionate about their business mm-hmm. and they put so much work into it and, and, and they should feel that way. But they, they sometimes feel like the business is going to, to always be there, always be, always be right. generating that cash flow. And it's the only asset that they actually need. And in reality, you know, the business, you should consider the business just like another bucket. And throughout your life, throughout your working years, you should be focused on filling different buckets. Now, obviously, the business is generating that cash flow, so you you can fund different buckets. But um, what I see a lot of the time with business owners is that they haven't done the proper planning and they haven't set up other vehicles that will generate a return that will be there when they do eventually want to retire, uh, sell the business, or, you know, unfortunately, if, if they either get disabled or they, they die mm-hmm. prematurely. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't done that planning and the business is the only thing you have, um, you know, retirement, if we're talking about retirement, that could be, that could be pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back to what you said before too, if, if, if we're talking about, you know, kids inheriting the business or uh, they may not want to. Right. Um, and if you've done the planning and you've, and you've funded different buckets and vehicles, then, then passing things down can be a little bit easier at that point. Sure. 
Absolutely. And I'm sure that you that is part of your discussion with uh, anyone that you work with is do the kids really want this business? I know that's what you want for them, but it doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> that the kids want to do that. Do you have those discussions with your clients? Absolutely. Actually, you know, what I, I encourage all my clients when the time is right, and like I always say, the earlier the better, is to have those discussions with me with their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're talking about estate planning or or we have this business and what, what is the plan? What are we planning on doing with it? Um, when we're talking about the later years, I like to have those discussions, obviously with my client first, and then uh, when the time is right, bring in the kids so that uh-huh. they understand what actually is going on. Too often uh, I see that people don't have those types of discussions with their kids. Mm-hmm. And there can be a lot of confusion of, you know what happens when you're not here mm-hmm. what do we what do we do if there's if if there's a tax liability how are we going to pay for that mm-hmm. <laughs> so i actually encourage everyone to eventually we have that discussion all together mhm and does it make sense to when you're talking about this exit strategy with with uh, the owner and family members to create a um, stepping away kind of plan where you don't just one day not show up for work and say, oh, by the way, guys, I retired yesterday at 5 o'clock, so good luck to mm-hmm. you. Do you, do you um, help them in creating that handoff so that, like you said, they, they don't just um, end up by themselves someday? Yeah, that, that's definitely – part of that planning process. Uh, I th- it, it, obviously, the, the dream is to have a, a, a business that's generating income when you're not there, right? That's why mm-hmm. we're doing this. That's why we're, we're business yep. owners, uh, to have that passive type income. Some people might want to work in the business forever, that's, and that's fine too, but most of my clients get into business ownership um, because they want, to, they want to create that passive income. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and, and, it, and it's it's so important to identify who the key employees are and who those people or that person is going to be that's going to step in when the business is at that point that you could step away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just like with exit planning, the sooner we can plan for that, the better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And to get everybody um, um, more informed, so that they know what that next phase is going to be. What is the next phase? Mm -hmm. So when you create that, uh, almost like a blueprint that helps them know um, this year, for the next two years, this is what it's going to look like, and then we're going to transition, and it's going to look a little bit differently. Uh, I would think that would help with um, both parties, one knowing how to transfer that knowledge and the other one um, is not trying to study for the exam overnight, so to speak. Right. Right. Yeah, it's a training process. If you've Mm -hmm. identified that key person, uh, the first step is to to retain them, to make sure that they are there for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a very very important discussion, and then it's making sure that they are an extension of you. That 
that the business can run just as well, if not better, when you're not, when you're not, when you're not there. And I and I mm-hmm. have seen that happen where I think it, it businesses end up doing better when you do step away because mm. maybe there's not that emotional high that's got this stranglehold on the business and it can thrive a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and all of this is is just really still points back to. What I always tell my clients is have a team of trusted advisors because when the owner steps away, then at least the the son, the daughter, the nephew, whoever it is that's taking over that lead role still has the CPA that is familiar with the business, still has that attorney that is familiar with the business, still has that financial advisor like yourself that's familiar with the business. So I think that's important and it still and it I think it strengthens um, those relationships and makes it even more important to stick with one trusted advisor. Um, when you're building a business, build that relationship, stick with them, because it'll pay off in the long run, won't it? It, it, it will. And, and, you know, with my clients, uh, you know, those, those are clients for life. Uh, yeah. And the best scenario for me is when I have clients and then their kids become clients. Right. And it's, it's, that bond and that relationship, it's like you, we never skip a beat. Things just mm-hmm. keep moving smoothly, um, and it's it's even more important when there's when there's a business or franchise in, involved. The last thing you'd want to do is to have a transition like that for whatever reason. There's a transition, and you're changing the people that are trusted advisors advisors to that business and to the owner. Right, right, right. They don't have the history of that that company, so it, right. it's even more difficult moving forward. So I tell you what, Mike, I need to take a commercial break here, but I love stories. Uh, do you happen to have any stories that you could kind of share with me and my listeners that um, can paint a picture of why it's important for us to have someone like you in our, in our business? Uh, yeah, sure. Definitely. Love Wonderful. You. Wonderful. Well, folks, we're going to be right back with more from Mike Brown after this commercial break. Ready to update your tired old kitchen or bathroom? Then you need to call Gambone's Custom Home Improvements. Gambone's does all phases of remodeling, specializing in kitchen and bath remodels. Gambone's Custom Home Improvements is a company you can trust. Family owned and operated with an A-plus rating with a BBB. Call Gambone's today, 832-437-8898, or check them out on the web at GamboneCHI.com. That's GamboneCHI.com. Gambone's Custom Home Improvements, where you will get quality work at a quality price. Tune in every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. to Tough Talk Christian Radio with Tony Gambone. Tough Talk Christian Radio is for those who want to share and receive expressions of faith that will help you take the next step in your relationship with Christ. Listen in to hear from others about their experiences of faith and the love of Christ. Call in to share your experiences at 347-989-1363. Learn more by going to toughtalkchristianradio.com. Are you dreaming of owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? The wait is now over. Linda Ballesteros is a catalyst to becoming a business owner through franchising. Whether you are looking to create a living that will allow you to leave corporate America, 
change your lifestyle, allowing you to enjoy the fun things in life, or if you're looking to build a legacy that will support your family for years to come. Contact Linda today to start the process of being your own boss. Linda at EmpowerFranchiseConsulting.com, 832-640-4922. Hey, folks, welcome back to All Things Franchising. This is Linda Biostetto, and my guest today is Mike Brown, and we are talking about that financial junk drawer, and I just love that term. You, you need to trademark that, Mike. You know, I just love that. Um, so when we broke for commercial break, I asked you if you happen to have some stories that you could share with us. I do, and and real quick, the, uh, I wish the junk drawer term was mine. I I, <laughs> I heard it from someone else, and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. But um, so and, and so yeah, I had a um, a really good a friend of mine. Uh, had a pretty pretty decent corporate career, but just got to that point like a lot of us do. Uh, he was burnt out, mm-hmm. and. And same with me, had this passion to, to get into franchises and knew that that's what the next step was for him. Uh, so he, he started doing the same thing, researching franchises, um, having a discussion with, with his wife um, about making that decision, and then eventually started talking to a, a franchise consultant to help him navigate the world of franchises because there's so many. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that process lasted about a year and mm-hmm. he, he never ended up pulling the trigger, but still wanted to buy a franchise. Uh, the, the, what was getting in the way was that uh, he was more of a risk taker than his wife. Um, and, and she wasn't entirely comfortable with, with making that decision. And, and, and it's a hard one. It's a hard one to go from a, a, cushy corporate career with benefits, good pay to now investing in a business, having a partner and, and knowing that you, you probably won't make money for the, the first couple of years. You have to be okay with that. So um, it took a while for them to get to the, the, the point where they felt comfortable with buying the franchise. So I was having this, this discussion with him and at this time he was not a client of mine. Uh, and he, he, he explained to me that he still wanted to own a franchise. Um, uh, they couldn't get on the, on the same page and agree on, on investing in one and asked me to just talk to them and maybe even help them organize their, their financials to see if it actually was something that they should do, which I absolutely loved. And so I took them, I started having conversations with them together and I took them through a, a financial planning process where the first thing we did going back to that junk drawer, is we emptied that out. We got them organized um, to find out where are we now? What are your goals and your visions for your future? Not just the dollar amount you want to have saved when you want to retire one day, but what does it actually look like? Uh, And I asked them a lot of questions about that. They have kids. Do you want to pay for college? Do you want to pay for 100% or just half of it? Uh, Why do you want to do that? Uh, Did someone do that for you? Do they pay for college? Why is that important? Um, what does retirement look like? Where are you? Are you on the beach? Are you on a mountain? Uh, do you have a vacation house? All these different things so we could create this vision so we could understand why we're making certain financial decisions, including buying a business, is that vision for the future. So the first thing we did was organized. 
financially so that they could see that all these different dreams and goals that they have for the future, like helping their kids with college, retiring to the mountains one day, that we, we were on track to fund most of those dreams. Some of them we need a little bit more work. Uh, and once we got a clearer picture about where they were, what their, their goals were, uh, then we could clearly see that they could, they could invest in a business and they could, they could still live a comfortable lifestyle for several years, making less money, investing in the business until it eventually grew to the point where he was replacing his income from his corporate job um, and they could continue funding those, those other goals and dreams. And we're going back to what we were saying before, where the business should not be your only asset. You should be funding these different buckets. And when you have these visions for the future, like retirement, paying for colleges, weddings, houses, whatever that might be, you have to make sure that the money, the cash flow is going in, in the right places. And then you have to protect that cash flow because if the cash flow ever ends, you can't fund those dreams. So once we got to the end of our financial planning process with them, uh, we all felt a lot more comfortable with making that decision to buy the franchise. Um, he was excited. The wife was excited. Uh, we had a whole plan put together about how they were going to fund it, how they were going to fund their lives during that time, during that startup phase, which we all know can be very difficult. And they ended up buying the franchise, and they're doing well today. Mm-hmm. And I love that story because, you know, today we've kind of been talking about what it might look like if you didn't plan for that. Um, and this year, Mike, one of the things that I'm focus on and like to talk about on the show is wealth building with franchising. And you kind of described how that might play out. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you might be able to help someone put that, um, build their wealth as they're building a business? And because it doesn't start out just because you have hung out a shingle that people recognize, that doesn't mean that tomorrow you're going to have a line of people ready to buy your widget. So how do you help them get from that point, but still keep that vision of being able to build that wealth? Yeah, good question. It's um, so Going back to what we said before, it, it, the earlier we have these dis- discussions, the better, right? Mm-hmm. That to go mm-hmm. into this with a good plan of how you're going to build the business, uh, spending a lot of time building the pro forma, uh, uh, the, the type of cash flow that the business uh, will generate throughout the first couple of years, but then what to do with that cash flow. Mm-hmm. Where is that? Where is that actually going to go? Is it going to go back into the business? A lot of the times it might. It should in mm-hmm. many cases. But how do we also uh, use the cash flow from the business to build wealth? The business mm-hmm. is going to be a, a hopefully a large asset in your portfolio. Um, what other types of assets should we fund? Is it is it a four hundred one k? How should the four hundred one k be funded? Um, is it, uh, is it an, uh, an IRA, uh, outside of the business? Is it, uh, an insurance product? 
all these mm-hmm. different things. There's so many different options to fund wealth that uh, you just have to plan early, uh, be able to pivot when things do change, when the business grows and it's bringing in even more cash flow than if you know where that money is going to go, how much needs to be liquid. But if you know how, where that money should go to fund these goals in the future and create that wealth, then it's not a question and you don't react and you don't just make transactions because now you're doing better. And that's another reason why the junk drawer is created because people actually start making more money and, and they just, just like buying cars, you buy products. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I never thought about those investment um, those investments as being products, but they are. And like you said, there's the, the Lego and the paperclip. Neither one of them make any sense, but they've both found themselves in the same place. So, um, you know, I can definitely see where doing, um, creating these or purchasing these products more strategically would certainly help build that momentum. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. Yeah, it's the the products, financial vehicles, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. They there has to be a reason why they're they're why they're purchased, and 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 almost have to be communicating with each other, yeah. if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the same thing with your balance sheets. So when you buy a business or start a business, you, you have your, your business balance sheet, but you also have your personal balance sheet and those two should communicate. And one is actually funding the other, your business is funding your personal balance sheet. Uh, But if you don't have those two things aligned and organized, your financial world could be very difficult to understand and to make Mm -hmm. decisions like, what do I do now that I'm making more money? Um, how do I continue to make the business grow, but how do I fund these other buckets along the way? Mm-hmm. And it's great to take those family $10,000, $20,000 if you've got that money, but those buckets still have to come into play as well, don't they? A- absolutely, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, we're coming close to the end of the show. Um, If someone's listening, and Mike, you've given us so much information to think about here, and they want to know more about how they may be able to work with you, how would they find out more information about you and how to get in touch with you? Yeah, no, that's great. So um, I'm going to I'll give my email and my, my phone number. If anyone wants to reach out, um, you can shoot me an email. You can give me a call. We can have a discussion. Uh, my email is mike.r.brown at cplanning.com. And my phone number is 617-594-0908. Wonderful. So we're down to those final three questions. And the first one is, if there's someone listening who's considering purchasing a franchise, what would you suggest they do to prepare for the process? And I know you've touched on this. What, what specifically can someone do to prepare for the process of owning a franchise or purchasing a franchise? Yeah, so I, I think 
obviously the, the, the first thing you would probably want to do is, is to talk with a consultant. Um, the, the, the franchise world is, it's so vast. There's so many different options that you're going to need help navigating the franchise world. And what I would say is to, to be open to new concepts, be open to, to different types of businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and don't, <laughs> and, and I actually struggled with this early on. I was so focused on the type of business or the name of the business. And that didn't really, it didn't really matter is what I learned. What, what I had to, uh, what my franchise consultant did a really good job with was teaching me that I need to focus on the lifestyle that I wanted it to create. Mm-hmm. Um, and not so much of just the type of business that it was, but at the same time to trust your gut that mm-hmm. when you're going through this vetting process, uh, you have, you have to really think about, uh, you know, what do you want? What do you want your day to day to look like? Do you want brick and mortar? Do you want a lot of employees? Do you want <laughs> few employees? And I think just, Trusting your gut, going with your gut on that, um, and not compromising, then I think you'd be you, you'd be really happy with the decision the franchise you eventually end up buying. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike, it's funny. I was working with a client a few months ago, and um, by the time they came to me, they had already set up a um, a one on one with a, a franchisor, and um, it was a spa type. Uh, and so that meant it was a brick and mortar. And when they came to me and I mentioned lifestyle, they didn't understand what I was saying. They have three small children in baseball and in dance. And um, I said, so, you know, are you prepared to work seven days a week? And, you know, they didn't really understand what I was saying. Oh, you'll be working seven days a week. And right. so when they, when they met with that franchisor, I said, here's some questions that you're going to want to ask them. What are the hours? You know, what, what, how, how many days a week? And when I spoke to them the next day to, get, to kind of debrief from that, they, and I said, so what was the response? Uh, the franchisor said that they're open from Sunday to Saturday. And I said, mm-hmm. well, that fills up your week. So if that right. lifestyle of living in that brick and mortar is not your vision, then that's not a right fit for you. I don't care how much you like the product. You have to take that that's widget right. off the table, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If you don't, if you don't want to have this type of space in this mm-hmm. type of area with a lot of employees, and that's not the, that's not the franchise for you. Right. If that's right. the day to day that you, that you like to have, would like to have, and you like to be around a lot of people, then, then it is, but you really yeah. have to think about that before you make that decision. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the next question here is, what are two traits that make a successful franchisee? Oh, yeah, good one. That's a, uh, I would say the first one is, is coachable. Yeah. Uh, so you, you, when you buy a franchise, you are, you're buying a proven system, a proven model. And, 
And if you don't, if you want to do things your way all the time, that, mm-hmm. that may not work. And I'm not saying you can't make a decision as the business owner, but it's a proven model. It's a proven system and you should follow it and you should be able to take coaching well um, because you'll, you'll be a lot more successful if you do. And then I would say the other one is being determined. Being a mm. business owner is, is not easy. Right. Uh, and the first couple of years are hard. And you have to just keep your eye on the prize, stay focused, be determined to, to, to make that business successful because that is the vision, that is the dream, to have a business, to maybe have someone else managing that business at one point. Maybe you want to buy multiple franchises. Um, maybe you want to go do, do something else, but still keep the franchise, but just being determined on what, what you want that franchise to create for you, for your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and you bring up a good point as well, Mike, um, when you have a client that is, they've, they've, uh, had their franchise for maybe five or six years and they're looking at expanding, do you kind of help them work through what that might look like and, uh, how that might impact them financially? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's, 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 it's a similar discussion to when they're deciding whether or not to buy their first one. It's just right. now we're, we're adding another business. It's another initial expense. Um, they're, they're, you know, maybe it's an existing franchise territory that already has cash yeah. flow. Maybe it's brand new. But the, the, this, the discussion is somewhat similar to the initial one, which is, does this make sense? What right. is this going to provide? How long are we going to go before this is generating uh, revenue for us? Yeah, yeah, because you have the same expenses that you had before. Uh, purchasing another territory doesn't mean that you don't have those uh, additional startup costs. It may be a little bit easier, but you um, you still have some startup costs. Absolutely. And a lot of people that I do talk to that get into franchising, they, they, they do want to either they know right away that they'd like to own multiple units or right. they buy one, they love it, they're doing well, and they say, I, w- I want to do more. Yeah. And it, those are fun discussions to have because I, you know, yeah. that's a great way to create wealth. Uh, going back Absolutely. to what we were talking about before is, is buying you know, multiple units. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the final question here, and you were, you've been in franchising before, so um, what do you think, looking at franchising today, what do you think the future of franchising look like? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm excited for the future uh, in franchising. I, I think that there's, I think there's going to be a lot of new, exciting brands and, and concepts that are going to pop up. I, I think a lot of companies are realizing that this is a great way to scale and they're going to get into franchising and it's going to create a ton of opportunity for people that are contemplating this now, or maybe they own franchises and looking for that next concept or brand to buy. Um, so I think there's going to be, there's going to be tons of opportunities to, you know, maybe get into territory development, um, mm-hmm to own multiple units uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and maybe some exciting new, like I said, exciting new concepts that, that haven't yet launched. So it's, 
it's an exciting future. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's tons of opportunity there. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, it's been great having you on this show. One more time, if someone's listening and they'd like to reach out to you, how would they do that? Yeah, thanks, Linda. It's, uh, so my cell phone number is 617-594-0908, and my email address is mike.r.brown at cplanning.com. Wonderful. Mike, I know we have just barely touched the tip of the iceberg on this. I would love (laughs) to invite you to come back in a few months and um, pick up another discussion because there's so many ways that a franchisee, a franchisor, or a small business owner can learn uh, from you. So would you be open to coming back? Absolutely. I I really appreciate you having me today. I'd I'd love to come back on on a future show and um, I really appreciate the time. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Mike, and we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you, Linda. Mm-hmm. So folks, as Mike was saying, there is so much to take into consideration when you are looking at purchasing your business or if you've already purchased one and you're looking at growing it or even the next step of uh, that exit strategy. It's important to have that team of trusted advisors. And with Mike having the experience of being a franchise owner, that is so important. I am sure that you all say, well, my nephew, he he works for this financial company. That's great. But to have a financial advisor that understands the ins and outs and the way that franchise business model works is even more important. As always, I'm going to leave you with this quote. It's an unknown quote. One of these days, I may just add my name to some of these unknown quotes because they're great. This one says, when you get help to recognize the possibilities, your biggest challenge becomes a pivotal moment that creates your biggest growth opportunity. And you know, we saw that happen during the pandemic. That was a huge pivotal moment. And there were concepts, there were brands, there were franchises that, that rose to the occasion. And they did more business in that one or two years than they had in the previous five years. So just because there is a challenge, that doesn't mean that you can't benefit from that because it is the biggest growth opportunity for you. Folks, thanks so much for being with me today on All Things Franchising, and we'll see you next time. Another great episode of All Things Franchising is now in the books. You can listen to past shows by following All Things Franchising on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for joining us today. And be sure not to miss us next time when we bring you a brand new episode of All Things Franchising.